0: You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Saints, today we consider the comfort of the epistle lesson, Hebrews chapter 9. Now the background of this lesson is a bit complex. and In fact, we'll probably spend most of the time picking up on it. Uh, it's what the beginning of Hebrews chapter 9 talks about. And we should try to remember the tabernacle in the Old Testament. And in fact, if we can, we should try to see it with our own imagination. The tabernacle, uh, remember, was this tent, the tent of meeting. It was 15 feet wide, 15 feet tall, and 45 feet deep. And it was divided into two rooms. The first room was 30 feet, and it was the holy place. And when you entered in there... You would see on your left the golden lampstand, and then on your right the golden table for the showbread. This is the holy place where the priests would minister daily before the Lord. And then at the back of this room there was a veil, a dark blue veil that would divide the holy place from the most holy place. A perfectly square room, 15 by 15 by 15 feet or so. There was the altar of incense right in front of the veil. Uh, and in fact, when Hebrews 9 describes it, it, it it's, uh, it's as if this altar is in the holy place because it's connected to the holy place where the incense would probably go and fill in the holy place. And then in the most holy place there, there was one uh, piece of furnishing, the Ark of the Covenant, a box of acacia wood covered inside and out with gold probably about three and a half feet wide and two feet deep and two feet tall, with a golden lid on top of it called the mercy seat. And in that ark was a bowl filled with manna, Aaron's rod that budded with the almond blossoms, and perhaps most importantly, the Ten Commandments, the replica of the two stone tablets that Moses made after the originals were broken by Moses in his anger. And then on top of this golden lid were the two cherubim, golden uh, sculpted angels with their wings stretched out over this mercy seat. Now, in this room, this most holy place, nobody would ever come except for the high priest. And then he would only come once a year on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Remember how this worked. On this day, which was probably the most important day of the entire year, according to Moses, the high priest would wake up. He would completely bathe himself. He would put on all of his high priestly garments, freshly cleaned for the occasion. And then he would take two goats, and he'd cast lots for them. And one would be determined to be sacrificed while the other was going to be the scapegoat. And then the priest would take a bull, And he would sacrifice that bull for his own sin. And he would take the blood of that bull together with a censer full of extra fine incense that would would fill the most holy place with smoke so that the ark would be covered in smoke, Leviticus says, so that he wouldn't be killed. And he would, he would go into the most holy place with his censer and fill the place with incense. And then with his finger, he would sprinkle the blood seven times on the front of the altar and then on the top of the altar to atone for himself. And then he would come out And he would take the goat that was established by Lot for sacrifice, and he would sacrifice that goat for the sins of the people. And again, he would take the blood of that goat, and in the same way go back into the holy place and put that blood with his finger seven times on the front and seven times on the top of the ark, the mercy seat of God. Then he would come out of the most holy place, And laying his hands on the head of the other goat, the scapegoat, he would speak out loud the sins of the people, and then that goat would be driven away from the camp. The high priest would then take off his priestly garments, bathe again, put on his normal clothes. The man who drove the goat out into the wilderness would come back and bathe himself and dress then in normal clothes, and the work of atonement, the work of the day of atonement, was concluded. Now, this is all rumbling around in the background of the text that we have, and there's a couple things that we need to notice. First, we remember that all of these things of the tabernacle, and really all of the laws of worship and the ceremonial laws and all this stuff that Moses gave to the people in the Old Testament, all of it was meant to preach, to preach to the people and to preach to us. The tabernacle and the sacrifices and all the priestly works, think of it like this. They were like picture books for the people. They were preaching to them, and, and the thing that they were preaching is Christ. When the people would see the lamb or the bull or the goat or the whatever being sacrificed and being burned, they would know that God is accepting in their place the death of another When they would see the scapegoat being driven out into the wilderness, they would see how the Lord is pleased to carry away their sins. I mean, the picture is really beautiful. Remember how the Ten Commandments are in the ark, and the ark is the seat of God? Now imagine that, that God sits on a chair with the Ten Commandments on them. I mean, it's like, uh, imagine imagine when you were young. I, I suppose if you're young, you don't have to imagine it, you just have to think of it. And you go to see your teacher, and your teacher has in his hands all of the class rules. And you walk in and sit down in front of the teacher, and he's holding the rules. You know, you know that you're in trouble. Now imagine this, that you are to go and appear before God, and you know that he's sitting on a seat with the Ten Commandments there. You know you're in trouble. Except except this, the high priest traveled into that throne room of God and he put the blood of the sacrifice in front of and on top of those commandments. It's as if those things that are there condemning you were covered by the blood so that they are no longer there. The blood stands between you and the Ten Commandments. The blood stands between you and God's judgment, between you and God's wrath. You see, this is a beautiful preaching. Of the gospel in the tabernacle and there's more i mean not only does the tabernacle preach it indicates something else we are told in the scriptures that the tabernacle and all its furniture and furnishings and all the works that are there are a shadow of the heavenly court i mean remember Moses got the whole design for the tabernacle and all of the works when he was on Mount Sinai for 40 days in the cloud, and, Mo- and God told Moses to construct what he saw. Now, now what this means is that, that, that what's going on in the earthly tabernacle and in the earthly tent are a picture or a reflection of what is happening in heaven, in the throne room of God. Hebrews calls it a shadow that the earthly tabernacle is a shadow of the heavenly tabernacle. Here's Hebrews 8:5. They, the priests and all these things, serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to lift up the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. Now imagine, imagine if 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 heaven was somehow illuminated from the back and the things that were happening in heaven were casting a shadow down onto the earth, the shadow would be the tabernacle, the bronze laver, the priesthood, the sacrifices, the altar, the holy place, and the most holy place. So that the ark of... The Ark of the Covenant that holds the Ten Commandments is a shadow of God's throne. The cherubim that are on top of it are a shadow of the four living creatures that attend to the Lord. The incense is a shadow of the prayers of the saints. See it? It, now, Now, as we study the book of Revelation in Bible class, or as we get glimpses into the throne room of heaven all throughout the Scriptures, we start to see all of these connections. Now, so, so then we ask, what is the day of atonement a shadow of? The high priest? It's a shadow of Jesus. The bull, sacrificed for his sins? A shadow of Jesus. The goat, sacrificed for the sins of the people? A shadow of Jesus. The goat that's driven out into the wilderness? A shadow of Jesus. And the priest, who enters into the most holy place with the blood of the sacrifice? That's a shadow of Jesus, who at his ascension, enters it to to the right hand of the Father with his blood. Now, now this gets even better. And this is where we pick up with our epistle reading from Hebrews chapter 9. Because what that text is telling us is that we have something better than the shadow at the tabernacle and at the temple, that the reality has come that the thing that the tabernacle preached has happened, that the thing to which the tabernacle pointed has arrived. Now, here's the text, and you can read along in your bulletin if you like. When Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy place, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of His own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Now do you see it? This is absolutely astonishing. Jesus takes the blood of the sacrifice, His own sacrifice, His own blood, and He doesn't carry it into the most holy place in Jerusalem through the veil that was rendered when He died. He's not concerned with the shadow things. No, Jesus takes His blood into the true holy of holies, into the heavenly holy of holies, to the true mercy seat, to the true throne of God, which is in heaven, to the place where eternal judgment is rendered. And there, in the heavenly and true most holy place, He offers His blood, together with His suffering and death, as the atoning sacrifice for your sin and the sin of all the world. All the blood of all the bulls. And all the goats brought for centuries into the most holy place on earth could not take away sin, but, he, but the blood of Jesus. It can. And it does. And according to Hebrews, it secures for you and for me eternal redemption. So that all of your sins... All of your breaking of God's law, all of your deserving of His wrath, all of your pride and your foolishness and your lust and your greed and all of your whatever, all of this has been died for by Jesus, washed by His blood. His blood that stands in the heavenly holy place. His blood that is sprinkled on the heavenly altar, the throne room of God. And by that work, your sins are forgiven. God be praised. And the result of all of this, Hebrews tells us, is a clean conscience. I think, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think that all of us, in one way or another, are striving for a clean conscience and most of the time, we strive for this by our good works. We're trying to get a clean conscience, a heart that is set at rest and peace by, by, by doing good. But look, your works can't get you there. Our deeds are never enough. This, a conscience at rest and at peace, this is brought to us by the blood of Jesus. Do you see, dear saints, here, a clean conscience is a forgiven conscience. So that the blood of Jesus, which declares you to be forgiven in heaven, also comes down to you on earth. In fact, fact, Jesus will give you the same blood that testifies before God the Father in just a few minutes to drink. Saying, take and drink. This is the blood of the New Testament. Shed for you for the forgiveness of sins so that He brings us into this most holy place. And we come at His invitation to taste and see that He is good and merciful and kind even to us sinners. That the same blood that testifies before the throne of God in heaven now testifies in your conscience that God is not mad, that your sins are forgiven, that eternal life belongs to you. For this blood of bulls and goats could never take away sins, but the blood of your Jesus does. How much more, says Hebrews, will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Dear saints, In Christ, your redemption is won. In your high priest, your sins are forgiven. By his blood, your conscience is purified. And it is at peace. Thanks be to God. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding... Guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.